Margaret, are you grieving over Golden Grove unleaving? Leaves like the things of man you, with your fresh thoughts, care for, can you? Ah, as the heart grows older, it will come to such sights colder, by and by, nor spare a sigh, though worlds of wanwood leaf mill lie, and yet you will weep and know why. Now no matter, child, the name, sorrow's springs are the same, nor mouth had, no nor mind expressed, what heart heard of, ghost guessed. It is the blight man was born for, it is Margaret you mourn for. Gerard Manley Hopkins, Spring and Fall to a Young Child 1. We lived on the shore of Mirror Lake, and for many years our lives were as calm and transparent as its waters. Our old house followed the curve of the bank, in segments like a train, each room and screen porch added on one by one, decade by decade. When I think of that time, I picture the four of us waiting in the shallows, admiring our reflections in the glassy, motionless lake. Then something, a pebble, a raindrop, breaks the surface and shatters the mirror. A ripple reaches the distant bank. Our years of bad luck begin. That was how Margaret would have thought. My sister was the poet. I was miss one thing after the next, which is how I remember what happened. But that's not how it happened at all. One thing happened, then everything else, like a domino falling and setting off a collapse that snakes out toward the horizon and spills over into the future. If all the clocks and calendars vanished, children would still know when Sunday came. They would still feel that suck of dead air, that hollow vacuum created when time slips behind a curtain, when the minutes quit their orderly tick and ooze away one by one. Colors are muted. A jelly-like haze hovers and blurs the landscape. The phone doesn't ring and the rest of the world hides and conspires to pretend that everyone's baking cookies or watching the game on TV. Then Monday arrives, and the comforting racket starts up all over again. Even before that Sunday, I was glad to see the day end. It wasn't that I'd liked school so much, but the weekends lasted forever. The loneliness, the hours to fill with books, homework, computer, watching old films with my sister, if she was in the mood. Silence then the Sunday sounds of our house by the lake. My mother playing the piano, my dad's prehistoric selectric. That Sunday, that first Sunday in May, was so warm I couldn't help wondering, was it simply a beautiful day or a symptom of global warming? Even the trees looked uncomfortable, naked and embarrassed, as if they were all simultaneously having that dream in which you look down and realize you've forgotten to put on your clothes. Two Cleopatras in our royal barge, my sister and I reclined and let our little rowboat drift out onto the lake. Margaret arched her shoulders, flung one arm over the side, and trailed her fingertips in the water. It was one of those actressy gestures she'd copied from the classic black and white movies to which she was addicted. She liked me to watch them with her, and we were allowed to stay up because our mother said we would learn more from Some Like It Hot than from a year of school. 
It was often hard to tell what our mother meant exactly, except that we learned to flutter our lashes and say, What's a girl to do? in breathy little girl whispers. One thing Margaret and I had in common was we could do imitations. We knew whole scenes by heart, like the end of Flying Deuces, when Hardy is killed in a plane crash and then reincarnated as a horse with a black mustache and a bowler hat. Laurel's so happy to see him, he throws his arms around Ollie, that is, the horse possessed by Ollie's grumpy spirit. Sometimes Margaret would do a gesture or line and ask me what film it was from. Her silvery laughter was my prize for getting it right. The only rowboat scene I knew was the one in which Montgomery Clift pushes Shelley Winters into the water, and I was pretty certain that wasn't what Margaret was doing. Margaret said, This is heaven. <laughs>